um, you know, 25 years ago when Jubilee was very young and very much a dream in a young couple's hearts. Uh, it was marked by truly uh, an excitement and exuberance. Um, it was marked by not knowing anything that we were about to do. And maybe the most desperate thing that we needed were people to come alongside of us and say that we believe that you heard from God and we believe that someday there'll be a great church. (laughs) And uh, early, early on, Dan and Kim were in South Carolina working for Pastor Terry uh, as his youth pastors and they called Chris and I. We had known them before that and uh, had said, we want to come back to Denver and we want to help you start your church. And I always joke with Dan. I told him, Dan, you're crazy for wanting to do that. But the truth of the matter is, I was like, God, what a quality couple you sent us. What good people. I leaned on Dan uh, the first 20 years of the church. What a difference you made, Dan. Thank you. Because when we look around, what people don't know is that you helped to build a lot of this church. And Kim, in worship time, I went over to you. Kim was our very first prayer pastor. That's what she wanted to do. And she prayed. Um, Kathy, she prayed for years and years and years when no one else was praying. Kim would come and just pray and pray and pray. And you laid such a powerful foundation for what we enjoy today. And I know when you go and you're in your own church now and you're, that's where your hearts are at and that's where your head is at, you don't always get to see or think about the road behind you. It's like me with Pastor John. I, I remember being there, but I don't know... What did I really contribute to it? It seems my, my contribution has been mostly here. But I can tell you for a fact, both of you uh, have contributed mightily to helping Chris and I in this church become what it is. And so Jubilee, uh, I know that many of you know him, but if you don't, would you take my word for it? And would you welcome a couple of heroes that really have made a difference in our lives and in Jubilee? Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> wow. Um, thank you, Pastor John. Um, man, it is an honor to be here and uh, sitting in the green room tonight. It, it was funny. I know it's been four and a half years, uh, but it felt like it was the next week. It just it felt like family that we were just hanging out with. And so um, it is absolutely an honor to, to be here, and I can't promise that I won't diss on you here in a little bit. So just, you were more, much more gracious than I will be to you in front of the masses. So, uh, no. Um, what, what John also doesn't know is that cars are already getting smashed in our parking lot, so it's okay. Um, <laughs> our parking lot is uh, kind of crazy. We're... We're right there on Wolfensburger and I-25, and we get a kind of all kinds of stuff. So, um, hey, I want to give you just a quick update on our family. I have a picture up for you on the screen. Uh, this is my lovely family. Um, many of you know us, uh, but if you don't, um, this, this is me. Uh, I'm the really good-looking one on the right. Nope. <laughs> I know it. Um, right next to me is my bride of 29 years, Kim. Woo! 
We're going to hit 30 years in December. We keep trying to catch John and Chris, but they just will not let us. They continue to stay 10 years ahead of us. Um, over on the left is our oldest son, Andrew. Can you look at that kid right there? If you remember him when we were telling stories about him being sick, um, he is 100% whole and just an amazing man of God. Um, he graduated from uh, Montana State in Bozeman with an engineering degree. Um, he now works for an engineering firm in the tech center. He owns a house in Castle Rock, and he has three roommates paying his mortgage. <laughs> really smart dude. Really smart dude. Uh, and then there's my daughter, who, when we left Jubilee, uh, many of you know she was working with YWAM. She was in New Zealand at the time. Um, because of COVID and everything that was going on with COVID, she came home um, and got to spend a year from us, but she just has the missions bug. And the, the following year, she went to London for three months. And uh, we actually had to talk her into coming back for a short time. Um, and then she told us, I'm going back to London. And so she is one year into three, a three-year commitment to YWAM in London. And she has already told Kim and I that she's not coming home. <laughs> So I don't know whether it's going to be in London or wherever. She just loves the world, and she's just out there doing things. Um, both Andrew and Alyssa um, are not married, and so I need you to pray with me. <laughs> I, I'm dead serious about this right now, guys. I, we want grandkids, and these guys are they're old enough now. So please join us in praying that they would find their loved ones and uh, that they would get married and bring us some grandkids. So... Uh, uh, Shine Church, uh, we're doing good. We, believe it or not, the last time that I uh, was here, I don't know if you remember this, but I spoke the week before the shutdown of COVID. Yes, that's right. Wow. That's the last time I was here. I spoke that weekend. Um, COVID was just kind of, you know, getting to be really known on the news. And I think it was the next week, the week, that week, or the next one that everything shut down. And um, we were going strong. We were just a year and a half in. We were really catching some momentum. And I tell you, for a young church, COVID just, it just was devastating. Um, and so thankfully that we have weathered it. We're doing well. Things are going well. We're seeing a lot of new faces, um, but we are just still in that infancy stage. It's almost like we had to uh, restart over with all of that. Um, and so pray for us. If things are going well, we're super excited of what God is doing in Castle Rock, uh, but that COVID hit, hit us pretty good. Uh, but we're, we're just excited about what God is, is doing and things are going really well at the church. Enough about that. You ready to jump in? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Um, I'm a Colorado native. I was born in Colorado Springs, grew up in a little town called Woodland Park, just 20 miles north of Colorado Springs. My dad and mom moved us there in 1973, and my dad still lives in that house. 50 years. He bought the house for $34,000. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Grew up Catholic. Many of you know this, but so that everybody's on the same page, my dad was a priest. My mom was a nun. <laughs> What's so funny? I'm being dead serious. <laughs> How are you here? I, that's probably what you should be asking right now. Um, my dad was a priest in Illinois when the Vatican was making changes in Catholic belief system, and his parish didn't accept those 
changes. And so he said, well, then if you're not going to do that, I'm going to step out. While he stepped out, my mom, he met my mom. Uh, She was just coming into that parish as a nun and they interacted for a little while. And long story short, um, they decided to get married. Mom obviously stepped out of, from being a nun in 1970, they got married. Uh, one year later, 1971, I'm the oldest of four. (laughs) My dad had four kids at 50 years old. 10, 8, 4, and 2. I'm 51. I called him a year ago and I said, Dad, I don't know how in the world you did that. But I give mad props to my dad. Grew up Catholic, though. Um, Learned all of the sacraments, learned all of the prayers that you had to learn. Went through all of the things that a good Catholic kid would do. Um, Went to Mass almost every single week in the little town of Woodland Park. Um, When I became a junior, I went through my confirmation class and went through the two years that I needed to do for my confirmation class. And then I went to the Mass where we got to be confirmed into the Catholic belief system and the celebration of that. And that was the last Mass I ever attended. It's weird, I know. But I just couldn't embrace the things that that I was being taught. And so I just stepped away, not only from the Catholic church, but I just stepped away from God altogether. And I started to live however I wanted to live as a 20 year old young man would do. And I was working at a movie theater. um, And at 20, I actually moved to Estes Park to take a manager position at a movie theater up there. I was there for about a year and a friend of mine walked in, a friend from high school. So three years removed, walks into the movie theater. And I'm like, Todd, what are you doing here? He's like, well, my parents just moved to Estes Park. And so we caught up and I found out that he was going to college at a place called ORU, Oral Roberts University. And so we got to talking and he said, hey, you should come to church with me. And I, I lived in Estes by myself. I was quite lonely, lonely to be quite honest with you. And I, I thought, okay, I'll, I'll check this out. And so Todd invites me to go and I've get in the car with him, and we drive down from Estes Park to Loveland to a place called Resurrection Fellowship. I can't remember anything about that service other than the people were super weird. (laughs) They rose their hands, they were clapping, they were singing with all their heart. Some of them were even dancing around. I'm like, what in the world is, this is a Catholic kid. (laughs) That's all the dancing I did (laughs) in church. So, Um, (laughs) uh, I just remember thinking that it was just very strange, but on the way back from Estes Park, or from Loveland to Estes Park, Todd said something that I will never forget. And he simply said this, Dan, God doesn't want religion from you. He wants relationship. And church, I'm, I'm here to tell you that when he said that, there was a calling out of something in me that I had never, ever experienced. And it ruminated and it resonated and I struggled with it and I struggled with it and I processed it and I just kept thinking over and over about that one sentence that he said. I bet he doesn't even know the impact that he made in my life by that one statement. And so while I'm wrestling through that, um, we needed a concession person at the movie theater and so I hired this beautiful young girl who ended up to be my wife. Um, and so uh, it was funny, and getting to know her, we're, we're just talking in between movie, between shows, and she tells me that her and her family go down to a church called Resurrection Fellowship. 
Which then I promptly said, so do I. <laughs> so um, I'm wrestling this idea out and I finally challenged God in November of 92. And I said, okay, if you're really real and you want relationship with me, prove yourself to me. And the very first thought I had was go to church. And so I said, okay, I will do that. I will do that for you and I will do that for Kim. And so I, I go to church and nothing happens. I go the second week, nothing happens. Third week, something radically happens and I give my, li my life and my heart to the Lord. I can't tell you even what happened at the service. I just know that at that service, I was radically changed and I radically became a believer in Jesus Christ as I began to understand that he wanted a walking, talking, personal relationship with me. And so I started going down to church at Res and I started to uh, realize that um, our job as believers isn't just to go to church, but we're supposed to get involved. We're supposed to do things. And so, uh, the very next announcement that I hear is to join the Easter Cantata Choir. John's the only one that's really laughing because he knows how bad I sing. So I do. I joined the choir. And we had practices on Wednesday nights. And youth group was Wednesday night as well. And so a few weeks before Easter, um, someone introduces me to the youth pastor at Resurrection Fellowship, and his name was John Leach. <laughs> we talk for a little bit, and I will never forget this, and I don't even know if you remember this, but we're talking the very first time I meet this man. And he looks at me at one point, and he says, you know what, dude? You got to drop that choir thing, and you need to come join our leadership team for the youth group. I don't know if you remember that. First time you met me. I don't know if you know what made you do that because I know you now. You don't do that. <laughs> but it sparked something in me. Again, calling out something in me that I just didn't know was even in me. But all of a sudden starting to remind me things that God had already been showing to me in private about just uh, wanting to walk with God. I, okay, just real quick. Do you want to see what your pastor looked like right around that time? <laughs> I got some video from the next Easter of 94. Check this out. I don't understand love, but for the first time, maybe you're getting a picture of what real love is all about. And then again, maybe for the very first time, you're understanding that it's more than just a little story, that it didn't end when they put him in there, but that he came out. And every bit of the power that was there to resurrect him from the dead is in this place tonight to give you a new life. Every bit of it. You never come and you never said, hey, I recognize the price that was paid for me, man. I see that I'm a sinner. I see that I couldn't pay for my own sin. And it can only be done one way. And that was through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I want to accept the gift that he's given me. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't purchase it with anything. All you can do is accept a gift tonight. It's the gift of God. It's eternal life. If you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've never done it before. Would you raise your hand? You're here tonight. In this place right now. This left side right here. How about that? You know, my dad once told me, um, after I gave my heart to the Lord, he goes, oh, I remember having the spiritual fervor that you have, almost like it's going to go away. And church, I'm here to tell you, Pastor John's spiritual fervor hasn't gone away. It's increased, man. Yeah? Yeah. 
Just an awesome, awesome man of God and have been for many, many, many years, man. Funny story about the Easter cantata. There was three of them. I slept through two of them. <laughs> All right, moving on. Help him with the youth group. Year and a half into that, uh, a gentleman comes to, Pastor John says, hey, I need a youth pastor. Do you know of anybody? Pastor John says, oh, Dan and Kim are ready to go. And so I take a job in South Carolina as a youth pastor slash worship leader. Thought I was a youth pastor. Really, I was a worship leader. It was crazy, but I worked for a guy named Terry Hilders. And what a rush. We had a great time. I grew up so much in those four years. And uh, Terry and Brenda, I, I told the team I had them. I should have brought them. I totally, I should have done it. We spent four years there and God does a, a, a just incredible work there. And then he calls us to come back to help out with Pastor John. And as Pastor John said, we just had a call from God to come help you. And in the middle of that, as we were getting ready to move our family, our two-year-old and our one-month-old, I'm a native. We had both our kids in South Carolina. Sorry, got to move on. Uh, so God tells me this. I'm, I'm going to, I want you to help the pastors of Jubilee. I'm going to promote you. And then someday you're going to be a lead pastor. And God called something out of me that I had never experienced. Now, um, worked there for 20 years, 19 years. And again, John has a lunch with me and sits across the table and says, hey, um, I don't know how to tell you this, but you've served me for 19 years. And I think it's time for you to start a church. And I told him, you're wrong. <laughs> I told him he was wrong. And he said, well, just pray about it and think about it. And sure enough, once again, through the words of another man, God's called something out of me that I didn't know was there. And I prayed, and the Holy Spirit confirmed what he was saying. And so four and a half years ago, we start Shine Church. And that's where we're at today. Now, why do I go into all of this? First, so that you know me a little bit, those that may not know me, and why I'm standing here, and um, why I'm giving this message to you. But number two, to help you to see the importance of being called out. I've called, titled this, Calling Out. And so would you join me in prayer, and we'll jump in. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, and we thank you that you call us out into the things that you've created and purposed for us. And now, Lord, I come to you, and I pray that you would communicate through me. God, my prayer is always that I would decrease and you would increase. And so, Lord, from this moment forth, may every word that comes out of my mouth penetrate into the hearts of every person because it's being led by the Holy Spirit and not by Dan. And so, Lord, anything that would be of me, may I forget before I can communicate it. And Lord, I pray that you empower the words that I speak right now to touch the hearts and the minds and the spirits of every person listening to me. God, we need to be changed from inside out. And so, God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would come into this room. For those listening online, God, be present with them. God, I pray that you would empower these words so that it would be life transformation in all of us. And so, Lord, we ask you for that, and we give you our hearts right now in your name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Oh, I forgot, guys. I have video of when Pastor John and Chris started the church. You want to see this? Yeah, we got to watch this. What you've just seen are some of the ministries of our church that we feel like would be a wonderful opportunity for you to be able to get involved in. In fact, we feel like if you really want to get plugged in to Jubilee Fellowship, the number one way to do it is not simply by coming on a Sunday, a Saturday, or just to a meeting. It's really being involved in the ministries that are around here. 
We feel like that's where the life of God is, and that's where you'll see yourself getting plugged in to what God has for you. We're very excited about what God is doing at Jubilee, so we hope you would make this your church home. <laughs> <laughs> know why I have all those videos? Because I was the media department. <laughs> I was, and so I have all these videos. I don't even know if we made that video. We all recorded stuff, and I don't think we ever made it and showed it to anybody. But now they've seen. They have seen. And I'm sure people feel welcomed, and they're going to they're gonna see. They're going to go to the first five right after the service. I know they will. All right, three things. Three things, church, about calling out. Number one, you are anointed. I want you to say that. Say, I am anointed. Does that feel weird? I hope not. I hope not. But I know for some of you in this room that you may not have even said it because you don't believe it. And I think sometimes anointing is reserved for somebody who's up front, for the pastor or for the team that is leading. And I'm here to tell you that you are anointed. Amen. You are anointed. Every single one of you in this room are anointed. Yes. And this was so important to um, the early church fathers that they wanted to communicate this to us. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, I, I want to set the stage. Paul is, this is his second letter to the church of Corinth, and he's trying to establish and help them to understand who they are in Christ and how they need to see themselves. And he talks about how Jesus is the comforter. Then he goes on and he talks about what they're struggling with and trying to get to them. And then right before this verse, he goes, you know, the promises of Jesus are yes and amen. And then he says this very powerful thing right here in 2 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Now, get the picture. Paul is trying to communicate to us the importance of these things, and he wants the people that are reading this letter to know that he's not just speaking about he and his leadership team. As a matter of fact, it says now it is God who makes both us and you. Okay, so he's making sure that everybody knows this is for everybody. And this is for everybody. And he goes on and he says, you, he anoints us. He anoints us, you are anointed. Then I love it when the, when the word of God, when John says something and then when Peter says something or or. Um, I'm sorry, when Paul says something, John says something, Peter says something, all the different writers of the, of the New Testament, when they all collaborate, right? So we have Paul who said this, and then we're going to pick up in 1 John 2. 1 John, John, the, the self-professed Jesus loves me disciple. <laughs> Pastor Chris's favorite one, because I know Chris says I'm God's favorite. This is John right here. I'm God's favorite. I mean, he's just like, God loves me. Jesus loves me. Not sure about you, but he loves me. So this is that disciple. And he says this, 1 John 2, verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And all of you know the truth. You have an anointing from the Holy One. The context of this is John is trying to help us to understand that we 
need to love each other and that there are going to be antichrists and the spirit of the antichrist is going to come into the world and he's trying to dispel the enemy and he's trying to help us to understand that through that love and through the understanding that we are anointed, that we have an anointing, that that's how we will overcome. Verse 27, he says this, as for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you and you do not need anyone to teach you. But, his, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. Um, church, it's used in the NIV three times in one verse. Why? Because John wants us to know that we are anointed. Now, here's the interesting thing. If I asked you what it meant to be anointed, I bet we would get a hundred different responses. And so my hope is that you will not leave today without having an understanding of exactly what it means when you say, I'm anointed. So let's look into that. And I hope this doesn't get too heady right here, but um, I think the English language a lot of times lacks in regards to what the words actually meant. When they spoke these words, when they heard, you know, for instance, Dan, the name Dan means God is my judge. And so when you say my name, all I hear is the word Dan. But back then they heard God is my judge. And so it, it's so important to understand that there was such, so much context in the words that were spoken. And so this word anointed that Paul uses in Corinthians, it's chairo. And it means this, to anoint by rubbing or pouring olive oil on someone to represent the flow or the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Now listen to this, to present someone as divinely authorized, appointed by God to serve as prophet, priest, or king. That's good. Now I want you to say, I'm anointed. You just professed that you have the oil of God in your life that calls out the fact that you are a prophet, pastor, king, priest, king. Yes? yes. Boy, you got to get this, church. Because until we get this, we're going to miss everything else that God has for us. And the enemy loves to rob and steal this away. John uses the word anointing, and it's charisma. I'm sure you've heard that. And it means this, referring to the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit, guiding the receptive believer into fullness of God's preferred will. In example, God inwardly persuading the believer of his preferences. God inwardly persuading the believer of his preferences. You are anointed. Church, you are anointed. You've been smeared with the Holy Spirit so that he could call out of you the purpose and plan that you were created for. You are anointed. I put in my notes, anointing is the inward act of God through the Holy Spirit, persuading the call he has placed into you to come out. See, if you've professed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And I just want to simply ask you, how much of the Holy Spirit do you get? All. You get all of him. You get all of him. And his purpose, and we're going to go into this more in just a second, but his purpose is to help you to realize that you have the authority to do what you're called to do. Yes. That he's created you. 
He's created you with a purpose and a plan, and he's established you, and he knows the number of hair on your head. He knows your name. He knew you before you were formed and put together in your mother's womb. He knew what he purposed and planned and what he called you to do, and then he gave his Holy Spirit and said, I'm going to smear you with this all over so that you will know who you are and what your purpose and plan is. And our world is suffering today because many people don't have a clue why they're here. And I'm here to tell you right now, you are not here by any accident. You are here because God created you. He fearfully and wonderfully made you. And you are here for a reason. And so if you are here listening to me right now and you're like, man, I don't know if I count, if my life counts at all. I'm here to tell you your life absolutely counts. Your life absolutely counts. And do not let the enemy of your soul try to steal that away from you because God fearfully and wonderfully made you and you are anointed. You are anointed. You know what's amazing about this? The devil wants to rob this and take this away from us. It's so funny because um, early on in my ministry, I felt like God told me that um, part of the thing that he's wired me is to come alongside people and help them become great in their call. And it's so funny because the enemy tells me all the time that nobody cares what I say. It's just a battle that I have. Even in preparation of this message, Kim was like, how's it going? One time I'd be like, oh, it's going to be great. The other time I was like, nobody cares. Yes or no? I'm just being open and honest, real. I hope it's not being too transparent. This guy is amazing. A couple weeks ago on marriage, dude, opened his heart and soul. Right? Man, in that transparency, this is where we get life. But I want you to know that, man, the enemy wants to come and steal things away. Pastor John, it felt like God told me to tell you, dude, you're anointed for this. And don't let any discouragement steal that away from you. And you may have to go through some trials and tribulations to get this thing going, but man, it's going. It's going. And the enemy wants to discourage you with the the today things, but God's got the tomorrow things in mind for you. All right, say, I'm anointed. Dude, wake up every morning, look yourself in the mirror and tell yourself you're anointed. Because when you have that mindset, when you have that perspective, you're going you're gonna to stand taller. You're going you're gonna to just, just gonna have a step to your step. Step to your step. Okay, we're going to move on. Number two, three things to understand about calling out. Number two, you have an advocate and a helper. I'm going to go back to this section of scripture that Paul was writing in Corinthians. In uh, chapter 1, verse 21, 22, it says this. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, which how cool is that? We're not even going to talk about that, but how cool is that he set his seal of ownership? He, he owns every single one of us. For some of you, you might not like that, but I'm just telling you to be owned by the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and what he's done. But there's no greater thing. There's no greater thing. But he says he sets his seal of ownership on us and then he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Okay, this spirit that is being referred to is uh, what Jesus talks about in the final words to the disciples in the book of John. And I'm gonna read a few verses and then we'll talk about it. John 16, seven. But very truly I tell you, this is Jesus speaking to the disciples. It is for your good that I'm going away. 
Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Can you imagine what the disciples were thinking? They'd just been hanging out with Jesus for the last two and a half years. And now he's saying, I need to go. And they're like, no, please don't. Can you imagine, you know, I don't know if you guys have watched The Chosen, but if you watch The Chosen, it just brings out this, this humanity of where the disciples were. And it just makes you think, oh my gosh, yeah, I wonder what I would think in that situation. And here Jesus is saying, it's better that I go. Man, they've just seen him heal people, deliver people, do just the miraculous, bring, bring people from the dead. And he says, I have to go so that something better will come. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be where? In you, in you, in you. In you. John 14, 26, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. Everybody say all. all. Wow. Are you wondering about anything right now? Because the advocate will teach you. I mean, I think when Jesus said all, he meant all, yes? yes. So if you're wondering about something, if you're struggling with something, maybe you haven't tapped into the advocate. I'm sorry, I wasn't planning on saying that. I'll move on. <laughs> but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my mouth, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Okay, uh, similar thing in regards to anointing. I'm not 100% sure that we would give the same answer when it comes to advocate, right? If I asked you what is advocate, we, again, we probably would get a varying amount of different answers to that. And so again, Hopefully you'll walk away and go, okay, now I know exactly what this means. Uh, the word is parakletos, and it means this, calling to one's aid, a comforter, helper, properly, a legal advocate who makes the right judgment. A legal advocate that makes the right judgment. I should read, keep reading, let me... It's a, it's a legal advocate who makes the right judgment call. I need to keep going with that. Because close enough to the situation. Advocate, advisor, helper is the regular term in the New Testament of an attorney. An example, someone given evidence that stands up in court. So get this. You ask Jesus into your heart. He smears you with an understanding that you have the authority to do what you've been called to do. And then he gives you the advocate helper to help you to understand that number one, you have right standing before the father yes. as a lawyer would argue for you. And number two, to help you to understand what God has placed in you so that you can impact this world. Yeah. You have an advocate that wants to call these things out of you and help you understand these things. The word itself, um, the parakletos, comes from a root word, parakaleo. And it means this, to call, to exhort, encourage. And it comes from two words, para, from close beside, and kaleo, to call. To call. 
properly, make a call from being close up and personal. Refers to believers offering up evidence that stands up in God's court of law. And so get a picture. We have an advocate who, from close within us, is calling out our purpose and plan. So you are smeared with an understanding that you have the authority to do what he's purposed and planned for you. And now you have a Holy Spirit. You have an advocate that's inside of you calling out each and every day, trying to get you to understand what that calling is. He's begging and pleading, I believe. But we get so distracted in everyday life, yes? And church, this is so important. We've got to grab this. We have to understand the importance of letting the Holy Spirit speak to us. I'm a firm believer that he is constantly speaking to us and giving us God's preferred will and an understanding of what we've been given the authority to do in our calling. The problem is we start to compare our lives to other people. And we start to say, God, I want to have their gift. I want to have their calling. I want to be here for their reason. And we miss out. And it's so funny because you'll admire somebody else and they'll turn around and want to, do what, want to be what you are. It's the scheme of the enemy. Because if he can get us focused on somebody else's calling, then we miss out on what the advocate is trying to help us to understand. And what God, I, I believe that grieves God's heart. I believe God... It's just in heaven going, oh my gosh, just grab a hold of who you are, man. Because if you would just get that, if you would understand what I created you for and just be happy with that and not look at anything else, man, what an impact in the world we would be. Church, think about this. What kind of impact would we be in the world if we all walked around with the authority of anointing, understanding the Holy Spirit is going to tell us what to do and what we need to do? But what are we doing? We're trying to figure it out for ourselves. I got to be a good Christian, so I got to figure out what God's called me to do. No, just spend time with the Holy Spirit. Get into your word. Let him speak to you. Spend time in prayer and not the telephone prayer like, hello, God, I need you. to." Okay, goodbye, bye, and hang up. Man, interact with him. Ask him specific questions. Don't leave the room until you hear something. And for some of you, I promise you, God speaks almost instantaneously and then you talk yourself out of what God told you. Write it down. Get a journal out and start asking God questions and then write everything that you think. And I think you're gonna start to see a pattern. Oh, God spoke and I talked myself out of it. God help me be a better husband. Go buy your wife flowers. I just did that a week ago. It's that quick. Look, the only thing the enemy has is his clever scheming, his deception and lies. And so if he can get us to think that we're not hearing from God because he interjects real quick, then all it leads to is confusion. And church, I'm here to tell you, that's not the spirit of God and that's not the heart of the advocate. The advocate wants to tell you why you're here and he wants to help you every single day. Every single day. You have an advocate. I'm gonna do something a little different than I was planning. Um, I wanna go in now into what our role is then with this. But before I do, I think we need to understand the anointing and advocate aspect. So I just wanna pray. (sighs) 
Father God, you sent your son Jesus so that we could have right relationship with you. And beyond that, God, you sent Jesus so that we could have the direct access to your throne. God, you died and rose again. Jesus, you died and rose again so that we could have a confidence and a boldness to enter the throne room of our Lord and Savior, of our King of Kings, of God Almighty. And so, Lord, I pray right now for anybody in this room that would feel less than. <laughs> I know for a fact that not a single person is ever supposed to feel less than. And so, Lord, speak to those right now. And if you are in here right now listening to me and you feel less than, would you just lift your hand? Yep, 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 all over the room. Okay, so Heavenly Father, you have stopped this message to speak directly to these. And Lord, I pray that right now, through your Holy Spirit, that God, you would smear them with you. God, I pray that you would just help them to understand that they are not less than, that they have the authority to do what you have purposed and planned and called them to do. And God, by your Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come in right now and that you would set them free from the thoughts that would be led from the enemy and that you would give them an understanding of how you see them. God, God, give us a picture of that right now. Not just those that rose their hand for that prayer, but God, I pray every person in this room, God, I pray that you would, you would show us how you see us. God, what do you want to dress us in? God, what garments do you want to put on us? What do those garments mean? Holy Spirit, give people pictures of how you see them right now. Speak words into their ears of how you see them. Holy Spirit, advocate, helper, come in right now and help us to understand how you see us. God, help us not to talk ourselves out of it. Help us to embrace what you're showing us. Lord, we thank you for these things in your name. Amen. 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 Well, I listened to Pastor John enough to know that when it counts down to 10, 9, 8, 7, you just say, well, I'm going to go past my time. So here we go. <laughs> Number three. Three things to understand about calling out. Number one, you're anointed. Number two, you have an advocate. Number three, you are to be an encourager. All right, once you understand that you've been smeared with authority to do what God has planned and purposed in, in your life, what you're created for, once you understand the Holy Spirit is trying to continually call out the gold in you and help you to understand what that is, our responsibility then is to move into the things that God would have us do. And this book here, church, is filled with instruction for us, okay, that we can glean from that will become alive and active to us. This is alive and active. And it's amazing how um, I will read something and it won't impact me at all. My wife will read something and she'll feel called to do something about it. This word of God will help us to activate the things that God wants us to participate with him in bringing heaven here to earth. Yes? yes? All right. 
I don't have enough time to go into several of the things that are in here that I think I would say all of us are called to. But one of the things that I think all of us are called to is to be encouragers. Encourage or encouragement is used 138 times in the New Testament. It's a lot. It's a lot. Let me read a few of them. Hebrews 10, 24, 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. I, I was reading that today. I, just side note. I, do you know what? These little, this little Asbury revival um, didn't happen because people went home. You know what happened is they decided, hey, we're meeting together and we want to keep meeting together. We're meeting together and we want to worship together. We want to lift up God together. Uh, there is something very powerful that happens when a body of believers get together, when a family comes together and worships together. Church, we need to go to the gathering places, okay? And we need to hang out and we need to be excited about those things. Um, you know what? This, this, this isn't shy, so I'm just going to say it. If you're only coming once a month, you need to come more, okay? And I hope that's not offensive, but if we really want to see a move of God, we've got to gather together and celebrate together. Clearly, this idea of not meeting together is something that the church was dealing with and continues to deal with. So we need to come together. Um, again, wasn't planning saying that, sorry. Uh, not giving up meetings together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Hebrews 3.12, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. So when are we supposed to encourage one another? Today. today. Do you have to do it tomorrow? When it becomes today, yes, you do. <laughs> Whenever it is today, so that none of you may be hardened. Oh, listen to this. If we don't do this, we're enabling other people to get hard. First yeah. oh. Thessalonians 5.11, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Romans 15, five through six, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement, our God is an encourager give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, I don't know if this is gonna blow you away, but this rocked my world. When you look up the word encourage or encouragement, the word is paraclesis, and it comes from the same root word as Holy Spirit. And it means to come close to and call out. This particular word for encouragement says this, a calling to one's aid, encouragement, exhort, comfort, properly a calling or an urging done by someone close beside. An example, a personal exhortation that delivers the evidence that stands up in God's court it is an intimate call that someone personally gives to deliver God's verdict. Amen. The close call that reveals how the Lord weighs in on the relevant facts, it is used of the Lord directly motivating and inspiring believers, say I'm a believer, I'm a believer. to carry out his plan, delivering his particular message to someone else. 
The core meaning is shaped by the individual context. So it can refer to exhortation, warning, encouragement, and comfort. Dan, where are you getting these things? I go to biblehub.com and I just look up the word and the verse. You can do this at home. Strongly encourage you to do that. This is what I verbatim word for word. Sorry if it was a little heady, but here's what it means. It means that church, you and I are supposed to get with one another and we're supposed to get close enough to one another that we can call things out. We're supposed to hang out. We're supposed to do life. We're supposed to challenge each other. We're supposed to get frustrated with each other, which I had a lot when I worked for him. Um, (laughs) And he had a lot for me. Uh, But we're supposed to interact with one another and we're supposed to get close to and we're supposed to call out of each other. And we live in a world where we pull into our garage and we shut the garage door before we can even get out of the car. Why? Because we have isolated ourselves from the world and we are, we are just going right into the devil's plan for us. Church, get a hold of this. We have to come alongside one another and call the gold out of each other. We cannot rely on Pastor John and Chris and this pastoral staff to pull the gold out of every person that comes to this church. We can't come to church any longer and go, oh, I wonder if I'm going to hear a good message. We have to come to church every weekend going, what is the message you want me to bring, God? And we need to ask God to show us one, two, three, four, ten people what the encouraging word that he wants you to use to speak over somebody. You should not come to a church service any weekend without giving something to somebody else. We're supposed to come alongside one another and we're supposed to call things out of one another. We can't do that if we don't interact with one another. We're supposed to live life together. Are you living life with other close Christians? Are you? Do you have these type of relationships? Practically, how does this play out? Man, look at this building. This building is absolutely amazing. Much better than even on, uh, I think it was the second week we're here, you have furniture. (laughs) It's amazing. You know what? I I had this thought this afternoon. It's uh, when I came in, it's like when you go into somebody's new house and the house is just, it's nice. It's brand new. It's, oh man, this is beautiful. But when they put all the furniture and everything and all the accoutrements, it makes it a home. It's a family. Jubilee, you're a family. If you come here, if you call this your church home, you are a family member and therefore you have a part to play. And do not take what I am saying lightly. You have a part to play. And that part is to get with other believers that make up the family and you need to call things out of them. Man, this isn't hard to do. You just come alongside him and tell him what you see in them. I don't even know you, but you sing absolutely amazing. Your voice was unbelievable. You grabbed that mic and it was like angels came in. How does that make you feel? Good, because it's all God. All right. Well, God's put it in you. I'm calling it out. Holy Spirit's confirming it. Amen. Amen. All right, we'll wrap up. Listen, you have been smeared with the authority to do what God's called you. You have an advocate that's helping you to understand this. And therefore, we need to come alongside one another and help each other out in this. You know what? We've, 
we've, it's not, I guess we, it is we've, we've moved into this new building to help a dream that was given to this couple about a training center. They can't do this unless you do this. I'm just telling you right now. They will drive themselves nuts trying to be all things to all people when the truth is, if you would rally around them and take the weight of this and understand the importance that God has put in you, the importance of pulling things out of other people as you see it happen. And it doesn't have to be super difficult. It could be as simple as saying, hey, the way you smile just brightened my day. Do you know how that'll call something out of somebody? And it doesn't have to be just in this room. It can be anywhere you're at. It's why it's super important to get involved in the things that are going on. Go to the marriage class that they're gonna be doing. Go to the different events that Jubilee has. Why? Because it helps you establish relationship so that then you can partner with other believers calling things out of one another. We've become a society that we ultimately start just hanging out with all the soccer parents and all the baseball parents and all of that. Hey, that's great. We need to call things out of them too. But who's going to call things out of you? We have to have relationship. We have to have partnership. You know, in Ephesians, there's a prayer that says that uh, God, Jesus, or um, Paul, sorry, is, is praying over us and just says, pray that you would know the incomparable greatness of the inheritance in the saints. But we're missing out on things, church, when we don't come alongside one another, live life together, and call these things out. Amen? Amen. Good? Good Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now, and we just ask that you would just confirm these things. God, I I just ask that if there was anything that was of my flesh, that, that, Lord, before somebody would walk out of this room, they would forget it. But, Lord, the things that were led by your Holy Spirit, and I pray that you would confirm these things. And once again, for those that are feeling less than, God, I pray they would walk out of here with their held, head held high because you died for them, and you know them by name. And for everybody else that... Um, shouted out, I am anointed, and truly believe that. God, I pray that you would challenge them to take it beyond just something that they have for themselves, but that they would begin to realize the importance of coming along other believers and calling the gold out of them. And so, Lord, I pray that right now you would reveal to us maybe a person, maybe two or three, that we could even do this right now before we even leave tonight. And God, I pray that you would bring this back to remembrance each and every day when we interact with other people. God, help us to be men and women of encouragement. God, may we come close beside and call things out of people like we've never done before. God, I can't imagine a world where if everybody did this, they would have any hate (laughs) or any discord If we got so good at calling the good things out of one another, there wouldn't be any time to look at the negativity. And so, Lord, do the supernatural and challenge every person listening to me, God, with the truth that we are anointed, that you are helping us, and you've called us to be an encourager. And, Lord, we thank you for these things in your name. Amen.